Uh, what, a, what a powerful start to our service. Huh? Seeing baptisms, life change, knowing that kids are not the church of the future, they're the church of today, right? God is moving, and I was moved too to see Mindy's heart and passion and to know that she's the one leading our children forward um, with that kind of emotion and those things. That's just good stuff. I love that. Um, as we jump in this morning, um, I'm Tim, kind of new here. It's my third week here. Uh, pretty excited about it. And I know there's probably going to be a couple of distractions this morning. So I want to hit those head on. All right, the first one is my water bottle, Cleveland Browns. All right, so I just wanted to reveal that. I doubt there are many people that care because, well, we haven't been relevant since like 1989. Okay, so uh, when I was in high school, um, so shake that off. Now, my Buckeyes, on the other hand, they asked what song would you like to play? I said, if you could play Hold, Hold On Sloopy, Hang On Sloopy when I come up, I'd like, that'd be great. Looking forward to next Saturday, by the way. Notre Dame fans, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I've always rooted for the Buckeyes and then the Irish, uh, but next week we'll be friends on Sunday. All right? That'll be good. Uh, second distraction is I know I'm the new guy, and some of you just pulled out your rubric, right? You just pulled out your evaluation paper, and you're like, let's see. He talked about sports to start with. That's a negative. And then he not only talked about sports, but he talked about the Buckeyes and the Browns. Double negative. All right, so just put that evaluation to the side right now as we dig into the word a little bit. Uh, I'm excited about what we are about to talk about. But before we jump in, I got to tell you, my, I almost said my first communion, but that sounds funny. The first time that I celebrated uh, communion in a Grace Brother and Karis Church was when I was a Grace College student. I didn't grow up Grace Brother. All my friends um, that, that were Grace Brother now are pastors and those things. They all told me they'd eventually get me saved and that I would come. Here I am, right? So um, we were down, uh, Kip talked about this last week, I lived in Lakeside Dorm, and down below was an old abandoned storeroom, and so we did communion down there. It was an awesome time. I thought, man, I'm a little nervous about this foot washing thing, but man, it is powerful and cool when you think about what that really means, and we'll talk about that tonight. You can jump in. And we're sitting there, and I realized I was a music education major, and I thought, I'm going to have to leave early. And I looked around the room, and I realized there were 13 of us. Now, I don't know if that's settling in for all of you, but at the original kind of bread and cup at that feast, there were 13 people there, right? One of them ended up denying Jesus and taking his own life because he felt guilty about it. And I thought, I'm guy number 13. I'm going to leave early. Praise God, he had other plans for my life, right? But uh, I am looking forward to celebrating communion with you all tonight and super excited as we dig into the purpose of our church here at Winona Lake. As we look at, all right, what is it that God wants to do in and through us? And, and Kip spoke to us last week in this series called Called, and he talked to us about loving our neighbors to Christ. How are we going to do that in the best way possible? And answering those, those couple of questions of one, who is our neighbor? And then, am I being one? And he took us through the, the Good Samaritan there and challenged us. If you didn't hear it, I would encourage you to, uh, to listen to that. This week, we're going to be talking about the second part of that wheel. Uh, the first part was loving um, our neighbors to Christ. The second part is today, following Jesus together. We're going to talk about that a little more. And then next week, Kip's going to wrap up this 
uh, three-part series on our purpose as we talk about equipping leaders for our world. Loving our neighbors to Jesus as individuals and the body of Christ. Following Jesus together. We're talking about that all this morning and then equipping our leaders for the world. Love the phrase that, that was said there, that we aren't going to be a collection agency. We want to be a sending agency, seeing people sent all over our nation and world to proclaim the hope and truth that there is in the gospel of Jesus. And so we're going to turn to Hebrews today. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10. So if you want to turn on your Bible or turn in your Bible, or if you don't have one, there's one in the row right there in front of you. It's page 973. I like the 73 part. That's the year I was born. It's a good year. All right, but 973, Hebrews chapter 10. By the way, that was also free information. I try to work that in here and there. You learn a little bit about it, and people are doing the math now. They're like, oh, how old is Tim? All right, we got it now. But Hebrews chapter 10. As we try to live out, not even try, that we do it, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus is some of his last words on earth, to go. And as you are going, make disciples, make followers of me, of Jesus, right? Make followers of Jesus, and as you do that, baptizing them, all right, good to be a part of a church that's seeing new believers come to him and then making everyone else know about that by being baptized and teaching them what? Everything I have commanded. Not some things, not part of the things, but teaching everything. And how do we do that the best? I think part of that we can find right here in the pages of Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 19. And it says this, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, comma, I know, English teaching friends, I apologize. I paused on a comma, all right? We didn't complete the phrase, but, but listen in for a second. I thought some context would help us here, right? The writer of Hebrews is making an assumption because he was writing to Hebrew believers, Jews that were following Jesus. They were followers of the way. And so he was making an assumption there that they were already followers of Jesus. And I thought, man, as we jump into this this section, I wondered if we don't make the same assumption. That right here on a Sunday morning or people that may be watching online, that we make an assumption that everyone in here worshiping with us, hearing these songs, seeing the baptism, talking with us in the hallway, that everyone is a follower of Jesus. Now the writer knew that he was writing Hebrew believers. So he was writing knowing that that confidence was there. But the question is, do we have that same confidence in here? Are you in a place where you can already say that you know, that you know, that you know, that if you met God tonight, or even this afternoon, you would be with him for eternity? And I thought, whoa, we gotta hit the pause button before we dig into how to follow Jesus together, is we need to know that the people in the room know how to follow Jesus in the first place. Because when I read in Romans 6, 23, it says the wages, the payment of our sin is death, which means there's separation between us and God. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, I know, I know, I know. No, pause. Think about it. If you're already a follower of Jesus, that's what you've been saved from, eternal death. How good is that? The payment of our sin is death, and there's this separation between us and God for the things that we do wrong, but... 
The gift of God is eternal life and Jesus Christ our Lord. And I don't want to make the assumption this morning that every person in this room and every person listening is a follower of Jesus already. And if you haven't made that decision, I challenge you to get inside your bulletin, hit that QR code and say, you know what, I have some questions about Jesus. Or I encourage you, even right now, the best part is you don't have to come through a pastor. You don't have to go through anyone else. You can have direct access to God and simply tell God, man, I know I've done things wrong that are against you and I've gone my own way, but I believe in Jesus. You just heard story after story of that in the, in the video of the kids. How about you? Do you have the confidence that you know that if you saw God tonight, that you would see him? and be spending eternity with him. And if you don't, man, talk to someone or right now talk directly to him because it's the most important decision you'll ever make. And so obviously the first and most important decision in following God together is to make sure that you're following God in the first place. And so I hope that you've taken that challenge. Now we'll continue into the passage. Let's jump into to verse 22 and see what this says to us about following God together. In verse 22, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And the, the first note there in, on, your, uh, on your notes in your bulletin is simply straight from the word of God, and it's let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. That is the first thing that we need to do if we're going to follow God together is to draw near to him. I love this, this reference in here where it says, first of all, with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. That, that we come to him, just God, we need you, right? And a full assurance of faith that we can know that we know that we're following him because of Jesus' work on the cross. And then it talks about having our hearts sprinkled. And in the Old Testament, Exodus 24 is one of those places where it talked about the priests would get sprinkled with blood so they'd be consecrated, so they'd be set apart so that other people could be to God. Well, now, Jesus, we don't have to go through a priest anymore. When we've given our lives to Jesus, he sprinkled us in his blood in our hearts and filled us with his spirit. And so we can have direct access to him. We can lock in to Jesus. We have the opportunity to go straight to him. Don't get tired of that. For those of you who have been believers for a long time, we get to go straight to God. I love being down here at One on the Lake. I have the privilege of getting to stay at a friend's lake house while I'm here, and boy, the sunsets in our town. Wow, right? Think about this. The God who made that listens to me. Not because I go to someone else, but because I just say his name and he's already listening. He's like, Tim, what do you need? He listens to us. Have you ever been around somebody uh, when you're talking to him and, and, and you're, you're in a conversation with them and uh, they get a little distracted? Has this ever happened to you where you, you just kind of go down to somebody and they're like, hey, hey, uh, how's your day? Oh, sorry, man. 
And they're looking everywhere else, and he's like, man, I haven't even met you yet, and yet you're treating me like that. But, you, you know, sometimes we get really distracted, don't we? You know what it's like when you're talking with somebody, and they're like gazing off, and sometimes, sometimes some people probably do it on purpose, right? They just start looking just to see if other people will look around and try to see what it is, right? But we get distracted, and I think that that's how we are with Jesus. We don't just do it in our conversations with each other. We do it with God. It's so easy to get distracted with our phones, um, with Netflix, with the big game on the TV, with, with whatever all of our activities are and all the things. We get distracted from God, and all he's doing is just sitting there waiting, saying, come to me. Draw near to me. I want your time. I also wonder if sometimes the good things that, that happens too, right? I think sometimes our ministry and our serving, we can be doing a lot of good things for God, and yet, we're not paying any attention to him. We feel good because we're doing some good stuff, but we're not really focused and getting our hearts in tune with him. And all God is saying is, pause, stop, lock in with me, give me a moment. It's so easy to get sprinkled in life with those things that little by little by little are a slow fade to get us away from Jesus. But like this says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Let us pull closer and closer to him. I love Philippians 3.10. I want to know God. Let that sit for a minute. I want to know God. The God of the universe. The one that loves you so much that he sent his son. And some of you are probably sitting here and you're saying, all right, Tim, got it. You're talking about me, 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 me. What does this have to do with us? And I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you for asking that question. Um, because here, here's what I noticed in this passage. Did you go back to verse 19? What, what does it say in here? It says, Dear, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by a new and living on the next page, or my next page, for us through the curtain. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full. Having our hearts cleanse us. Having our bodies. All of this language in this part is sometimes we think, man, this relationship with Jesus is all about me getting connected with God. And you know what? It's about all of us. It's not just about you and me. It's about us and we. Right? I know it's corny, but it's going to stick in your heads. Okay? It's not just about you and me. This isn't about just my personal relationship with God. It's about how do we, together as the body of Christ, help each other draw near to him. God wants us to do that in community. He wants us to do it by following Jesus together. God put that we language in there so that we would do this together. That, that is a, there's purpose in all of his words. Let's draw near to God. Let us walk together closer and closer to our Father, and let's do it together. So how do we do this? How do we do it? Well, one of the ways you hear about it every Sunday, and you maybe get tired of hearing it, but you're going to hear it for the rest of the year, all right? Get into the chronological Bible and start reading. By the way, the New Testament is coming. Just wanted to tell you that. Love the Old Testament. We've been in some stories. We started Nehemiah this morning. It's great stuff, great place to jump in. And I think we're like a week and a half away from getting into the New Testament as well. So jump back in. And how cool is it to know that we, 
not just me, into the word, but that we are reading the word of God and we're reading some of the same things. So if you're already behind, leave it behind. Jump in right where we are. Jump on the church website and, and get a part of that. Let's be praying together. I love that my first Sunday I was here in September, that evening, I got to sit with about 20 or 30 people and they were praying for you. They were praying for the church and the ministries here and people here. It was so good to be praying together that we together are praying together and seeking God. And sure, ministry can sometimes distract us from our time with Jesus, but serving together is a great way for all of us together to draw near to God when we are serving knowing that we have to have his spirit holding on to us and moving us forward. Listen to these names for a minute. Kelsey, Greg, Dave, Mike, David and Kristen, Scott and Jody, Mo and Carla, Mike, Brian, Jeremy, Dick and Sandy, Rusty, Andre, Randy, Pete, Bill, Micah, Craig, and now the kids of mine, Chloe, Jaden, Luke, and Sadie. Those are names of people that in different seasons of my life have challenged me to draw near to God. Who are your people? People right now that you could write down and thank God for, that right in the margin of your notes, you could start writing down right now, man, I, this person and this person and this person. Because you know, sometimes we request it, but we forget to say thank you. And what, how good is it that we can do it together? What are the names of the people that you have in your life that have pushed you to be a better person? Write those down and don't forget them. Well, we need to draw near to God, but we also need to, let us hold on to hope. Verse 23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Between 2015 and 2019, in our family, we had nine family members pass away. Both of our moms, my wife's brother died of a brain tumor, a couple of grandmas, aunts, and boy, it was hard. In the middle of all of that, we had a house fire and had to be out of our house for a few months. And just right after we got back in a couple months later, my son, who was a um, pretty good soccer player, had blown out his knee, his ACL. And it was like everything was weighing us down. And I, I admit, man, God and I had some words, right? Kind of like the psalmist, <laughs> you know, where it's like, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're trying to do in us. But I'll tell you, there were some people in our lives. It was our group that surrounded us with prayer and love, and they would not let us let go of the hope that we have in Jesus. I can tell you that if it wasn't for those people, I don't know that I would be standing in front of you today. Because those people spoke truth when we needed it. They listened when we needed it. They, they prayed over us. They one anothered us, like Paul talks about over and over and over again as we read his epistles, that they showed that love. I think that's part of the reason that Sunday mornings are so important. That, that we have the opportunity as part of the body of Christ to gather together and worship. One, some of us because we made it through the week. Some of us because we have some awesome victories. Man, you bring hope because you showed up. Think about it. Let us hold unswervingly the hope we profess because he who promised is faithful. He's been faithful to you and simply our presence together as us and we, encourages each other in our walk with Jesus. Our God is faithful. 
our God will walk with us. And when we do that, he wants to use other people to help us. And so who are those people for you as, as you look out? Who are the people that are going to help you hold on to hope? Who are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to swerve to the right or the left. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and not stray from him. God is someone you can always trust. He is someone you can always lean on. And I don't know what hope you need this morning. I don't know what you're wrestling with when you walked in here. I don't know what uh, your journey is like right now. But what I want to tell you is Jesus wants to meet you right there. And he's not the only one. There are other people that are in this place and part of this church that want to walk with you. I challenge you and encourage you to step out so that we can continue to hold on to hope, the hope of Jesus, and to do that together. Let's look at the, the next verse here in verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that last line there is let us spur each other on. Just like uh, when, when a cowboy, some of you saw that, hits that spur into the horse to get it moving, right? This isn't the, I'm going to put my arm around somebody and say, oh, I know you're struggling, right? It's not that kind. This kind of spurring is to agitate, annoy, and provoke, right? That doesn't mean we should always be annoying to each other. Some of you went, oh yeah, this is my time. All right. No, what it's saying is, is that there are times when we've got to get in each other's faces. Proverbs talks about as iron sharpens iron. That hurts a little bit. It stings a little bit. How will we spur each other on? How will we challenge and encourage each other? Why? Because we are better when we're together right? We are better when we're together. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to spur each other on. We're going to agitate each other a little bit. And this is why I'm passionate about discipleship. It's why I'm passionate about small groups and those things. Because yes, we need to gather in the whole body because it is about us and we and not just about you and me, right? And we need to make sure that we have a group, who are the people that are going to help us hold on to hope? Who are the people who are going to spur us on and challenge us? And if you need any proof in the Bible that it's important to not just meet on a Sunday morning, check out our Savior, right? I mean, he would gather with the 5,000 and teach them, and probably more than that, he would teach them, and then what would he do? He'd go sit at the campfire and hang out with his twelve. Right? Or he'd go off with the main three, kind of his accountability group, and he'd go off with them, and they would talk, and he would teach them, and they would work together. And I imagine that he didn't just encourage them. I imagine they encouraged him. Imagine doing that, by the way. A little side note, huh? Could you imagine, like, Jesus, you know, that was a really good message today. Great job. I'm like, that would be awesome. I mean, I can't wait to see him face to face and tell him about the word. Those guys got to do it in person right there. But if Jesus did that, then we should do it, right? We need to know who our group is. Uh, we are better when we're together. If we're, if we're going to live out Matthew 28 and we're going to teach them everything, going to teach each other everything that God has commanded us, we have to do it in a group that way. So this needs to be more when we're in a group than a social club, right? It needs to be more. I can get that watching with some Buckeye fans, 
You know, I can get the social stuff going. I also think that it needs to be more than a Bible study. Breathe. I love the Bible and I love studying the Bible with people. But those groups have to be more than that. It needs to be this, together. Living life together. Studying the word in biblical community so that we are digging in and spurring each other on. That we're having some fun together, right? Sitting by some campfires, enjoying some meals together. uh, And also digging into the word and learning the spiritual disciplines and doing those things so that we're close enough to each other's lives before the challenges come. My wife and I, from 2015 to 19, were already in a group with people and sharing our lives with them. And you better believe there were some weeks where we were like, eh, I don't know that I want to go this week. Like, we got our kid going to, going to soccer. We've got this going on. And I'm not sure I want to show up to my group. And, you know, I, we probably had some really, really good reasons not to show up. But I'm thankful that we did. Because, you know, it, it may be on some of those nights when we're feeling, eh, that someone else needs hope, and you can bring that encouragement. It may be on one of those days where you're feeling, eh, that a few years later, you're the one who needs someone to show up on a day where they didn't feel like it. That doesn't mean you don't miss. Come on, I'm not a legalist, right? There are going to be times where the most spiritual thing you can do is go to bed and get some sleep, right? But as a consistent being consistent in showing up and being there for each other so that we can live this passage out drawing near to God, holding on to hope, and then spurring each other on toward love and good deeds. I heard that sometime back on the rocks back here, there were some names that were put up there. And if you can picture right now your name on one of these rocks in the back of the room. Picture, picture yourself. Now, here's what I love about these rocks is, is they're all connected by, by mortar or cement or whatever it is that, that's connecting them. And I dare you with your bare hands, to come try to remove one of those rocks in the middle. How challenging is that going to be? I bet your fingers are going to be bleeding long before you ever get that rock out. But if I was holding a rock right here, right, and if I just took it and we had a nice boulder right there and I threw that thing down, it's probably going to smash, right? If we are disconnected from the body, if we don't have the mortar of Jesus connecting us together, if we are not drawing near to God as us and we instead of just you and me, then boy, we're like that rock that's just sitting on its own and it's going to get smashed. And when your hope starts to fail, you're going to flounder and maybe lost forever. I challenge you to get connected to other people because boy, when we're together, we're hard to separate. It's hard for the enemy to get a foothold. It's hard for even our own minds and those things because we're going to have somebody asking us those key questions and pouring into our lives. So let's draw near to God. Let's make sure that we are holding unswervingly to the hope that we have and let's spur each other on and keep meeting together. And so now what? Right? What good is a message if we don't talk about uh, the now what? And so um, the first part of that is in uh, how do we deepen our desire for God? What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do today and on Monday that makes this even more with, worthwhile? And so how are you going to deepen your relationship 
with God. I encourage you to hit that QR code uh, that's in your bulletin if one of these challenges are yours and you want prayer and accountability for that. And so one is, how are we going to draw near to God, is make that list of people. I talked about doing it in the margin. Make a list of people who have been in your life or are in your life that you can thank God for. And thank him for it. Say, God, thank you for the people that have invested in my life. Jump back in to the chronological Bible. Get into the word so that we together can know that we're doing that. And I also encourage you to serve. If you aren't connected some way serving, I challenge you to step in. You're going to draw closer to God when you are in community together with other people and serving. And where do we need hope? Where is something right now that as you're typing on that, that, that QR code in there and you're, and you're on the, the connection card, where, where do you personally need hope? Our soul care team here does, uh, wants to step in and meet with you and pray with you, speak truth from the word if you need it. Man, if there's some request or something that you have that way, share it. We want to pray and walk alongside of you. And then the last one is, who are our people? Are you connected to a group? Do you have a group of people where you can say that you know that you're known and you know that you're growing in your walk with Jesus, that you're taking those parts together, the community side and the biblical side, and in biblical community you're growing together. And if you're not, when you hit that QR code in there and, and you're getting that information, I will follow up with you and we will find a group to get you connected to because I know how important it is that we are connected as the body of Christ. Well, in closing, I don't want to miss this last part of the last verse that we read. In verse 25, it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As we wrap up this morning, I challenge all of us with that. Right? We don't know when our day is. When the day is that we're going to see Jesus face to face, if it's today or if it's 50 or 60 years from now for some of us, we don't know what that day is. But that day is approaching. And may we be living close enough together that we are encouraging each other to make it to that finish line so that it's not about me hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, but it's about we that we all get to hear well done, my good and faithful servant. And that part of the way that that happened is because we did it in community together. We followed Jesus together. Let's do it, church. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We are so grateful for your word. We thank you for the writer of Hebrews and the challenge that we have here to draw near to you, to draw closer to you. The challenge to hold on to hope in an unswerving way and also, God, that we would not give up meeting together, that we would truly spur each other on. We love you. We're excited for how you are working and will continue to work through this place. In Jesus' name, amen.